Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Hello and welcome to Phoenix Business Radio, broadcasting live from the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center right here in Tempe, Arizona, where we help build businesses and connect you with the right people. I've only been with these people for the last three minutes, and I know they are the right people. I'm super excited about this conversation. And it's only Thursday, right? But I'm feeling like it's a Friday afternoon because we're just having a lot of fun in here, and it feels like it's it's just that kind of a day. So please help me welcome Drew Shaw. He's the founder and CEO of Voice Threads, and Christy Moore, who is founder and owner of Social Spin. Welcome to the studio. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thank you. It's a pleasure. Clearly, you two know each other. Know and love. We've known each other for a little while, yeah. I love it. I could see the energy and, and the synergy when you two walked in. And I want to give a shout out to Kendra Maples, who has her show, Culture Crush, here at the studio. She also is our podcast engagement coordinator. And she uh, really is the one who said, you got to have Drew on. Mm-hmm. And Drew said, you got to have Christy on mm-hmm. while yes. I'm on. So here yeah. we are. On that note, uh, we love nothing more than to introduce uh, local businesses and our community to people who are movers and shakers and leaders in our community. And I know you guys are that. So let's have each of you take a few moments to introduce yourself, your company. And we've got up to a full hour. So I know we're going to hit all the high notes and maybe even some of the low notes too, right? Because mm. the story, oh, yeah. the stories are not without some of the wah, wah, wah. Absolutely. Uh, so Drew, would you mind starting for us first a little bit about you, your company, and why? Why are you here? Yeah, sure. Uh, so my name is Drew Shaw. I am a social entrepreneur and serial entrepreneur. <laughs> I like to dabble in a little bit of everything. So I just let my passion lead me to all these somewhat disparate places, but they seem to connect in a lot of ways at the same time, too. And I think that's kind of what happens as a result of doing what you want to do or what you feel like you're called to do. I've lived in the Valley for about 18 years. I came here as an educator. So I taught elementary school, and then I went on to work at ASU. And then after a few years of working there, I started my um, education consulting company that I still do. Um, So I teach teachers how to be better teachers. I wrote a children's book, and that book actually is what led me to voice threads. Um, because in the story, the main character wears mismatched socks. And I initially was going to create a kid's line of socks that were mismatched so they could buy the socks and feel like they were part of the story. And then I went through this wonderful program called Seed Spot, shout out to Seed Spot, mm-hmm. who taught me about social impact ventures and business. And so I turned that idea into something that was more community focused and socially impactful. And a year and some change later, I created Voice Threads. And Voice Threads is a socially conscious lifestyle brand that partners with nonprofit organizations. And we use the nonprofit's work as the design inspiration for our apparel. Our, I guess, flagship item is our mismatched socks. They're the same color, but different design on each one. And that's all in the hopes of causing conversations, not about the socks, but about the organizations that inspire the designs. Oh, my goodness. So much in that little soundbite. I'm telling you. Uh, and, and as Christy said, when we were uh, in the green room before we came on live, you're a pro. <laughs> yeah, I can, oh, yeah, he's a pro. I can see that. Yeah, for sure. So I'm an educator as well. I, oh. I always thought that I wanted to be a teacher, and I was in the Kyrene School District for years. In the Wonderful. early to mid-90s, went on to be an assistant principal. Also a children's author. Wrote my book in 2010. Come on. Yeah. And then it's funny because all that led me to owning the studio, too. So we'll have to get to know each other better, not only today in our conversation, but also offline because I'm sure we have a lot in common. 
Christy, introduce yourself. Looking forward to hearing about you and Social Spin. Thank you. So I am a social worker by profession. My husband and I were moving into our new tiny home, and we had sold our existing washer and dryer in preparation for the move. And when we arrived to our new home, the washer and dryer were not installed yet. So I had this like third world panic around how am I going to get my laundry done and decided to go to the nearest laundromat near me. And it had been decades since I went to a laundromat. I had gone with my family as a child and had really fond of memories of those moments. And so I was expecting the same at this time. But when I walked into that space, I was overwhelmed by the disconnect between customers to customers and customers to that space. And that night I went home and told my husband, I'm quitting my job and opening some kind of laundromat that will have a social spin to it. And he just said, call it that social spin and open a chain, not just one location. He didn't say you're crazy, honey. He didn't. It would have gone south real fast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it did. the best. Oh the my best. Gosh. Yep. So I quit my job. Um, and here we are six years later. Six years. Yeah. We're embedded in five different communities and growing. And uh, we just love what we do, which is really focused on connecting customers to care through their neighborhood laundromat. Wow. Incredible. I, I also uh, had a moving experience, only I had a, I had a two-year-old at the time and just had a newborn, mm-hmm. and we had no washer dryer, mm-hmm. and there I went to the laundromat. <laughs> yes. And it was, and it, did I mention it was September in Arizona? Yeah. I became a talking point with people who were nearby, but even just to find a laundromat, let's yes. be honest, even to find a laundromat that was near me was was kind of difficult. So incredible stories to get us started. Talk about yourself as a leader. And I ask this question kind of humbly because I know people don't like to really promote themselves that way. However, it's clear that you both are doing something unique and making an incredible impact. When you hear others, let's do it through the lens of other people talking about you. When you hear people mention you or introduce you, what is it that they say that you know you're in the right space and you're leading right where you need to be? Yeah, I I actually spent a good amount of time recently thinking about this and a good friend of mine, I'm going to be plugging everybody today, A good friend of mine, he's the executive director of Teach for America Phoenix, Steve Erickson. He gave a speech about a month ago, and he talked about integrity. And he said that the root of integrity is integer, and integer is a whole number, or to be whole. And so integrity comes from a place of wholeness and completeness, where you can be your full, authentic self. And it resonated so much with me that I really want people to say, wow, Drew, he's a a person of integrity. He is his full self. He knows who he is. He's complete and whole in who he is. Mm -hmm. And whatever space he steps into, he's able to be himself and allow other people to to be that same and and belong and be a part of a community. Um, And so if I hear people say that about me, I'm like, okay, yep, I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing the right thing. Along with like being a servant and being passionate. That's the thing I think that resonates the most with me when, if I heard And when I hear people say things about me and my leadership. I'm also hearing that there's humility in that, and it's not about being perfect. Oh, absolutely not. Perfection doesn't exist. (laughs) And that's one thing I think as entrepreneurs you have to realize. It's like we can strive for it, 
we'll probably never, ever get there because we're human beings and whatever we create is going to be imperfect. So, yeah. Christy, how about you? When you um, think about leadership and, and, and folks are saying something about you, introducing you, what is it that, I like the way that Drew put that, what is it that you, you are acknowledge, you're like, okay, yes, I'm, I'm hitting that right spot because I'm hearing this back. That's question 10. <laughs> well, it's only the third question I in. <laughs> I love your response, Drew. I always oh, do. Thanks. That's why I consider you a mentor. You're phenomenal. I would say on this social entrepreneurship journey, resiliency Mm -hmm. has been a skill that I've had to practice a lot, Mm -hmm. implement a lot, right? So there's a lot of unexpected challenges, especially working in an industry that so potentially could be inequitable that being resilient and able just to keep on moving has been a skill set that has kept us going. Mm. It's kept us spinning, if you will. Yeah. So good. And for our viewers on LinkedIn, I apologize. I'm producing and hosting at the same time, and I forgot to move the, the camera. So Aldo Aprile, does that, does that name sound familiar to you? Aldo says hello. Oh, so sweet. So, but he didn't get to see your face because I forgot to move the camera. <laughs> but I will hello. remember. But I will remember now. Okay, very good. So let's talk specifically about your organizations and your businesses. Let's go back to Drew. I know you kind of highlighted mismatched socks, but mm-hmm. is there a deeper story to why mismatched socks as your flagship product? Yeah, I mean, so like I mentioned uh, in my children's book, the main character wears mismatched yes. socks. So I kind of want to carry that same kind of childhood or childlike uh, vibe to what I created with voice threads. And so, you know, I think all the cool kids wear mismatched socks, right? So <laughs> so when I was uh, thinking about the idea of, um, you know, what kind of company I wanted to create around this not very novel idea, um, because I think we all see shirts and hats and bracelets and all kinds of other things when it comes to promoting businesses or events or even nonprofits, but you don't really see socks that promote anything other than like the brand that created it. And so I said, you know what? It's a really great way. People, socks are a thing. And Mm -hmm. especially if you're in the medical medical profession or if you have to wear a suit all the time, how else are you going to show your personality? Mm -hmm. You can show them wearing socks. Or if you're a person who just likes to have fun, you can wear your socks to show your personality, too. So I think it's a really great way to start conversa- conversations that are already happening, honestly, mm-hmm. but change how those conversations are happening and change what those conversations are about. Because we want people to talk about the wonderful organizations that are helping to change our community for the better or having a positive impact. And so if we can have someone turn a piece of clothing into a really meaningful conversation that leads to a donation or to volunteering or working at a nonprofit, that's amazing. And imagine a world where every piece of clothing that we were wearing could do that. And I think, and it's possible. And Mm -hmm. that's what we are uncovering. That's what we're discovering. And it's a, a fun ride. I know a handful of really buttoned up people. They, they run a pretty tight ship in their life. I can think of three right now who who have crazy socks? Yeah. They yeah. that socks are their thing, and uh, and then I have a sixteen year old who definitely wears mismatched <laughs> socks. I, the one thing I can't get over is the long like tube sock with a no show, like a short short yes. sock. 
What? That, what are you doing? But but any, that's just me. That, yeah, what? that's a little. I, I no, like a long, you know, like a long sock, and then the on the other foot is a, a really like oh, a athletics. A yeah. So it looks like <laughs> it's like what? It's like two extremes. Yeah. yeah. What are you doing, buddy? I don't understand. <laughs> but anyway, now, now I can tell them that you know there's a it's a it's a thing to have mismatched. Socks. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so Christy, talk to us about. I mean, this might be a weird way to word it, but the role of laundromats as third spaces. What does that mean? So much. So we at Social Spin believe that laundromats should be customer driven, that they should be vibrant social hubs that celebrate arts, culture, and community, and that they foster a strong sense of community. So uh, you feel at home when you're there. You know you could go there to get help. You like the other people that are in that space. Um, because when we build a sense of community, we're increasing our civic engagement indicators and we're building trust amongst our neighbors and our community and the services that are available. So for us, we really see laundromats as vital access points to care in our communities. So we know our customers come in every single week, just like you and I do our laundry at home. We're doing it on a specific day, typically. Uh, It takes our customers two hours to do their laundry. And in those moments, we're able to engage them in authentic relationships and get an understanding of what their needs are and broker relationships on their behalf so that those service providers come straight to the laundromat, a space that they feel comfortable in, and deliver care like vaccines, food boxes, haircuts, diabetes management workshops, all the things, housing navigation, delivered right where you're going already, doing Mm. a chore. Wow. Uh, does that mean that there is a tenant that's always there? Someone I mean, that's a, probably a, an awful word, but who, <laughs> somebody yeah. who's there working at Social Spin mm-hmm. the whole time? Because the laundromats I've been to, right? They're all self, mm-hmm. self, mm-hmm. whatever you call yes. self-serving. But you have somebody there. We're fully attended. Not only are we fully attended, but. of our employees are sympathetic towards our customer needs. So 100% of our employees have an unjust barrier to employment. So they're currently unsheltered. They might be in the um, state hospital. They might be transitioning out of foster care and other cognitive or neurodivergent disabilities. They're part of our team, and they understand the importance that community has. And so we have a tremendous team that is not only listening actively, but connecting them to the care that they deserve. And then those resources, well beyond this this relationship that's being built, built that they they'll come to you. I yeah. I find that fascinating. Yeah, they come to us. I mean, we have the potential to touch about a hundred people a day through just one location, and that is just such a beautiful moment of community building. Wow, and what are you both of you so unique? It's just fascinating how uh, how you've created this space to serve others. Amazing. Yeah, it's been interesting, actually, because when Christy and I were connected through a mutual friend, my friend knew that I was starting up Voice Threads, and I had no partners so far. So my, my company is built, the model is built around community partnerships and nonprofits. So if we don't have a nonprofit to partner with, we don't have a design to make. Um, and so Christy was actually our first, very, very first partner with Social Spin. And they weren't even a nonprofit at the time. Um, but the mission was so aligned and so good. And there was 
such alignment between what we're doing. And she was so willing. She's like, I don't, I don't care if you have anything. I want to, I want to be a part of this. And so she jumped on and just hearing where she started and where it's at now is so amazing because she provides such value to the communities that she has planted, planted a laundromat in. Um, and you can tell from how, where her heart is, like her heart is the heart of a social worker. Like people like Christy, nurses, teachers, you can tell when they have their hands in something because they create these spaces where everyone feels like they belong and they can get what they need. Uh, and you walk into their space and you just know like, oh, wow, something special is going on here. And so even if you don't have laundry to do, just stop by one of the locations. You will see exactly what I'm talking about. They are amazing. And Chrissy's amazing as well. Oh, thank you. And shout out to Troy. Yeah, Troy Potkin, you're the man. I mean, how could you have mismatched not socks and not partner with a laundromat? How many of us lose Fact. our socks? Oh, I haven't even thought about Fact. that. That yeah. just is a no-brainer. I know, no-brainer. Yep. And Drew gave an example of how his socks create conversation, and that's the exact experience we had where a voice thread customer became a social work intern who then graduated and became our first ever employed social worker all through the socks that she bought at a local market. Oh, yeah, it was an outdoor market. She yeah. came up and she's, and what we found is like people will pick them up and then start reading about the organization. And they're like, oh my gosh, I love these. Can I get connected with them? And you can connect directly from our website to our nonprofit partners. And she began working at mm-hmm. Social Spin. Yeah, shout out to Brittany, who is- Hey, our, Brittany. Yes, and um, she and her husband actually became- uh, significant donors to our affordable housing initiative. So we unexpectedly entered into the affordable housing space when we were displaced from our original laundromat. Uh, we were displaced during COVID. Our rent went double and we had 30 days to relocate. We got super pissed and committed to making sure laundromats stay in the communities that need them most. And so we bought land down the street, just a mile and a half away. And what we're doing is creating our purpose-driven laundromat at the base and three stories of affordable housing for low-income seniors. Uh, so we're excited to move that project along too. When is that going to be? Oh, that is. <laughs> I, hmm, we're hoping it'll be develop, uh, move, people moving in in 2027. We know that the need for affordable housing is in crisis mode, and also the system in place to help community-driven organizations build affordable housing is really inequitable, Mm -hmm. once again. And so it's taken much longer than than our community deserves. Can you share with us from a business perspective, right? So this is Business Radio X. Those are who our listeners are. What can the business community do to support you and what you're doing. I mean, where, how do we all play a role? So many ways. I mean, we do laundry. So we would love, I saw the lockers when I came Uh in. We have laundry lockers. So if you're a business and you want to offer your employees a pickup and delivery laundry service, we're here for you. If you have commercial accounts, we're here for you. Running campaigns within your community, we have great businesses that will encourage their employees to donate an item like laundry soap to a campaign or host a family or even leverage the product and service that they have, that their company has for our customer base. And, and to be clear, I should, I should 
clarify this. We operate, I own and operate the business. Mm -hmm. So we are a business. And then we have a separate 501c3 mm -hmm. that works hand in hand. Uh, so it has a separate CEO and board of directors. Uh, we work in partnership together, but we're two separate entities. So good. Thank you for that explanation. Wow. And you already have, you've already purchased the the, the land or the we did. It's land. Yeah. And that was interesting because we were so new, the foundation, like months yeah. new at the time, non-traditional, traditional and non-traditional community-driven banks wouldn't lend to us. So we have three amazing, generous lenders who trust us to take their funds and invest it for the betterment of the community. Wow. Um, since that time, we've our financials have improved, and so we're able to get traditional lending and um, pay back those lenders. Exciting. My goodness. So much wisdom here in this room. Incredible. Uh, Drew, you talked, you, did you tell us how long you've been with Voice Threads? Yeah, so Voice Threads, we actually turned five a couple of weeks ago. So, so. you're not too far off from yeah, each other. Yeah, we're not. No, yeah, yeah, and that's when we, like, the journey together has been beautiful. It's literally been together. <laughs> and it's real talk moments, too. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like how you how you feeling? Oh, okay, let's let's just let's just sit down and be real for a second. And that's the importance of community, right? Mm -hmm. Like very few people can understand what an entrepreneur goes through unless you're an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And so having these really honest conversations and just venting about what is happening and then possibly connecting to another resource is so it it just can shift the traje trajectory of your day your mood, mm -hmm. everything. And so, like, I just, every time I connect with Christy, it's like my day just gets better <laughs> because we we resonate on so many different things um, together. Um, and the alignment is just always there because we just care about the community. We care about people and we want to see our communities thrive. So, yeah, mm -hmm. like, we get all the celebration. We also mm -hmm. get all the, the hardship uh, in our conversations for sure. I'd love to sit on the hardship moment just for a couple mm -hmm. minutes because I think in the entrepreneurial journey we do uh, we we go through more than the average bear <laughs> oftentimes so um, what would you say have been some of the hardest challenges that you've had to overcome I'd love to start start mm -hmm. with Drew and then if you would share as well I mean you've already spoken a little bit of, about a couple things yeah absolutely so hardships they're not just a few of them <laughs> but but they're not something that can't be overcome and that's what I have to keep telling myself it's like this is what we do we problem solve we we solve problems so one problem is just selling socks to people in phoenix in the summertime <laughs> but that's what i told myself it's like if we can sell socks to people in phoenix in the summertime mm -hmm. we can sell socks anywhere literally because nobody wears socks in phoenix in the summertime mm -hmm. so that's one but then two when we started we were a year in business before the pandemic hit um, and about half of our revenue came from in-person events. And during the pandemic, there were no in-person events. And so we had to really sit, well, I had an opportunity to really sit and think about how else am I going to have this work? So we did a Kickstarter campaign and the community showed up and it really helped me understand that people support organizations and businesses mm -hmm. that have a focus on people and making sure the community has what it needs mm -hmm. to to connecting people to resources and to um, causes that resonate with them in their lives. Um, and so that really made, made me feel good. But it's always, I think any business owner would say, 
revenue is a hardship. Money, money, money. <laughs> it's, Cash it's, flow. It's a hardship. Mm-hmm. And I've never, my background is in education. I've never sold goods ever. And so just that learning curve of how retail works and convincing people that what you're creating is worth having is a hardship in itself. And having people sometimes not agree that what you have is worth having mm. is a hardship. So yeah, I, I just think having to have conversations with myself that, once again, there's no problem too large that you can't overcome, especially if you know the right people. And a lot of us, we tend to be like, oh, I just need some money to solve all my problems. But it's often a people issue. Mm-hmm. And then also just knowing that whatever comes my way, I'm, I'm not, I can't turn back. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I've come too far to down this road and realize the impact that I could make just by trying to live with integrity and trying to live purposefully and creating uh, platforms and products that serve the community. I can, what is there to go back to? I have to follow this road. And so I kind of mixed in the hardship with like what my own pep talks. But yeah, I, those are just a few of the hardships that I've had to work through over the past five years of, of VoiceThreads. So, and there yeah. will be more. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yes, we know, we know this. And I'm not too far ahead of you guys. I've had the studio for almost seven years uh, mm. this oh, coming yes. April. Congrats. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I had sold another business and I was like, okay, well, what's next for me? And this just made sense. Yeah. And boy, I've, you know, COVID, we can all collectively right. share that pain point. Um, and like like you have shared, uh, hardship shape us and that resiliency piece Absolutely. that you spoke to, Christy, that's everything. So w- when you hear Drew speak to his hardships, w- is there something specific or a couple of examples for you as well that you'd be willing to share around some of the challenges you guys have had to overcome, either expanding on something you've already mentioned or are there other cobwebs in the corner? So we try to be anti-racist which is so important in our industry, which I think is an industry often overlooked, like laundromats and laundry. We don't think about it, even though we use it every day. So I'll give you an example. Um, I am part of laundromat owner forums on Facebook. And like the next day after another young black man died at the hands of cops, there was a laundromat owner in LA who posted on the forum that there was a homeless man black man who was refusing to leave. And it was an hour past their closing time. He called the police and the police wouldn't be there for an hour. And so he's questioning, what should I do? And before I woke up, like there were 40 comments, disgusting comments from other owners, Mm -hmm. like turn the cameras off and beat them up or good thing I'm not there. But the one that created the sense of urgency around transforming laundromats was call the cops back and tell them that he has a weapon and he's a threat to you. Even if he didn't? He did not have a weapon. Oh my gosh. And all he was doing was trying to sleep. Like I'm getting emotional. Um, so our struggle, yeah, cash flow, are you kidding me? Mm. Capital, are you kidding me? You do branding so well. <laughs> I, they are some sexy sock photo <laughs> shoots, which I absolutely love. So selling, yes. For us, too, it's also about how can we encourage other laundromat owners to put people over Profit, mm-hmm. which we do here right at Max Six, and shout out to Conscious Capitalism and the founders, Adam Goodman yeah. and Heidi Janenga, and all the beautiful people who are in this movement. How could we give them an example that they could replicate that um, is truly centered on people first? Mm-hmm. 
And also, how do we hold them accountable Mm -hmm. for using police's weapons to our homeless community? And that comment is not unusual. Like a post like that around people who are unsheltered within my industry is common. And you wouldn't you wouldn't know that unless you were in it. Yeah. Um, and that really fuels my passion and sense of urgency. The lack of honesty around a claim like that and, and how deceptive it is is mind blowing to me. And yet I'm hearing you say that it's it's not uncommon. Yeah. Wow. All right. Where do I go from here? <laughs> I'm I'm I really appreciate you sharing that specific example because it's it's poignant and it's it's an emergency. I think that's the word you use. This is urgent. Yeah. 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 I think that's also the importance of having people like Christy in those kinds of spaces. Um, because if that man was in your laundromat, you would, <laughs> I, could, I could just see Christy be like, so what do you need? Oh, you yeah. need some food? Okay. Uh, let, let me just get you a break. You know what? We're going to let you stay here. We're going to, we're going to have someone, we're going to, we're going to create some kind of system where yep. someone can sit here and watch. And that's a completely opposite experience on both sides, right? Mm -hmm. It's like if you're truly – if your laundromat is more than a laundromat, right, it looks different. Mm -hmm. And the community is treated differently. And I've heard tons of stories Mm -hmm. that's come from from Social Spin, but changing the paradigm about what Mm -hmm. these spaces can be about and who they can serve and how they can serve them is so important for – I mean, for all the cases that you didn't mention – it's, it's necessary and it's needed. Thank you. Mm-hmm. We even struggle with the on-site security at one of our locations. When they change security companies, it's like retraining them again mm. what we do. There was very active day. We do free laundry every Wednesday. There were like 30 or more customers plus four employees in that space. And the security cop in full uniform comes in and shouts, if you're not doing laundry, you have to leave. No, (laughs) no. So it's like trespassing is welcomed in this space. (laughs) Come on in and recharge, especially in the heat. We're Mm -hmm. a heat relief center. Grab some cold water from the fridge, plug in your phone, do what you need to do to reset your body because life is really hard. Mm -hmm. And this moment in your neighborhood laundromat should be a place of safety and calmness for you. Yeah. This may seem very obvious to obviously the two of you maybe even our viewers and listeners, we're talking about socks and a laundromat. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I really want to, I want to point that out. Socks have been around forever. Right. And doing laundry and laundromats have been around mm-hmm. almost as long. And yet the two of you have created these opportunities to be of great service and change the narrative. So for our listeners and viewers, right, what what can we be doing within our existing business um, and our in our existing community to change the way that we support each other and love each other and care for each other? Mm-hmm. How hard is it to to offer a helping hand? Mm-hmm. Um, I just I'm I'm really blown away. Can each of you speak to what's next for you? I think you kind of plunked a few little um, indicators of what's going on. Uh, you talked, of course, about your building coming up, but and you've got a couple things happening as well. Drew, you want to start yeah, for us? And, sure. and yeah, let's talk. Let's focus on that. And again, and I mentioned it to Christy as well, um, how can our business community and um, our educational leaders and our civic leaders, how can we best support what you're up to? Yeah, for sure. Um, 
So um, we are always looking for new nonprofit partners. But even more than that, I think that we're looking for businesses and individuals as well. We ha- we dabbled in a, in a really cool model um, right after the pandemic where there were two ladies who advocated on our behalf and got some private donors to sponsor the production of socks for two local nonprofits. And so they gave us money kind of as like marketing, but it benefited these nonprofit organizations. So they, uh, so in that way, it kind of fed both the for-profit and nonprofit like wings of the community, which I found to be like a really interesting cross-section, like socks connecting these two things. Um, but it was it was great because we didn't have to um, front the money to produce these socks. It costs us a lot of money, and it takes a long time to produce socks that are customized the way that we do them, and they're eco-friendly, and they're made in the United States. So, yeah, high-quality stuff here. <laughs> but, yeah, so we're constantly looking for new sponsorships like that. That model is great, and I think it benefits so many people. Um, but we're also expanding our product offerings. So we're doing shirts now, so we, we are now finding nonprofit um, partners for shirts. We just uh, released a new shirt uh, by a nonprofit or in- inspired by a nonprofit called Purse Impressions. Um, they donate um, bags and purses filled with essential items to folks who are just exiting rehab. Amazing organization. Um, look them up, Purse Impressions. Um, and so we're expanding that. And then in the new year, we're going to be adding on other apparel like hats and I don't know what else, but hats, hats are next on the list. Um, but we're constantly just in this expansion mode, and we have partnerships outside of Arizona coming up as well, um, facilitated by wonderful people like like Christy and other community folks. But um, yeah, we don't we understand that we want people to have an affinity for the communities where they live, and so we don't um, partner with national organizations. We will partner with like a regional organization that has like a national umbrella. Um, But we want people to fall in love with where they live and find ways to direct their generosity with an organization right around the corner from them. And so if there's opportunities where you think there's some synergy between us and those nonprofit organizations reach out to us, we're always open to have a conversation. But in terms of like how the business community and individuals can help, buy some socks. Um, (laughs) That would be really, really, really helpful. They are phenomenal gifts, especially for the holiday. Yeah. We got lots of deals happening too. So do that too. Before we go to Christy with, again, what's kind of in your future and what are you guys working on beyond what you've already shared, um, having the socks produced here in the U.S. is no small feat. Uh, ah, I see what you did there. I didn't, I didn't do it till it came out of my mouth. Um, I would imagine it's substantially less expensive mm-hmm. if you did not stick to that commitment. Yeah. How many times have been you like? Oh. oh man, yeah, that's very true. And the thing is, it's like our value proposition is to be as sustainable, community focused as possible. Yep. So we kind of can't, and that, and that's the hard thing when you're like mission driven. Yep. You have to like stay on that mission. People are asking us all the time, "Oh, do, are you going to do no show socks?" I'm like, "Sorry, that's not our mission. You can't cause a conversation about socks you can't see." You can't see them. <laughs> and so we've like backed ourselves into the, into this like really interesting corner. But it's cool in the corner. I, I like being in the corner where we where we are. But um, you're absolutely right. The socks are made in the U.S., which makes them cost more to produce. We use a specialty yarn, which also costs more um, uh, because they're eco-friendly. So we try to, and it's not about ticking boxes, but it's about what is best for the community Mm -hmm. um, and how can people understand 
the true value of things because we we understand cost really well in America. We don't understand value very well. Right. Um, and so if we can tell that story about like, hey, if Social Spin is charging more to do laundry at their laundromat, here's all the great things that come as a result. It's like you're paying for our community being a better place. Not to say that they do. I'm pretty sure they're on par with everybody else. But if that was the case, those are the kinds of stories that we need to be telling because we live in a, sorry, Walmart. We live in a Walmart society where we think everything is cheap and we just want things now. That's not what's best for the community. That's not what's best for the environment. It's not, And subsequently, it's not what's best for us. Mm-hmm. And so as a business owner to other business owners, really take a look at how you are walking the walk in terms of sustainability, how you are walking the walk in terms of how you're treating your um, employees and your customers as a result as well, because it'll tell you a lot and ask them about what they think about you and then dig even deeper and spend some money <laughs> to actually do the work in the community as well. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Horizon, what's what's going on that you haven't shared yet? Oh, what is going on? So much. <laughs> so much. <laughs> so I am not a big thinker. I actually um, get stuck in a lack of abundance thinking, which Drew and I have talked about a lot. Surprised it, by I that. Know, <laughs> I know. I really have but you're work- to. It sounds like you're working on it because you've got me. I surround myself by people who are so much more talented in that space <laughs> uh, because, like, five locations, five mm-hmm. locations. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've got national partnerships who are very much interested in us expanding our model into their states. And that feels really scary. But also, the team is, like, super eager, which I absolutely love. So that could be coming up in the future. We do see our growth strategy, though, as being at the base of affordable housing. Housing. You know, we really believe when you put a purpose-driven laundromat in a community, it instantly connects neighbors and it instantly connects neighbors to resources. And that is just a beautiful thing. So we see our growth happening at the base of affordable housing developments. And we are bringing together like-minded laundromat owners in a space of community of practice to show and support each other in our purposes. We do consulting for other laundromat owners now, and we just want to take it a step further and build a whole community around um, like-minded people doing beautiful things. Love it. I'm fascinated from the origin story to now you really being clear about, wow, this is a great fit, the laundromat at the base of affordable housing. That's phenomenal. And happened by, I'm sure, not accident, but accident. Like right. when we were moving through You were led. You were just, yeah, right. We were just led there. Yeah. And it feels right. It's perfect. Because what it allows is more space in those units. Yes. It also decreases costs. And yeah, love, yeah. love everything about it. You spoke a bit ago, and, and maybe there isn't a, a, a deeper response to this at, the, at this time or at all, but you, I think I heard you say that uh, communities, some of the communities that you've been in, laundromats are not, not welcome or it's laundromats are not seen as something that we need to have in a community. Oh, yeah. Am I mis- misinterpreting that? Yeah, especially with gentrification. That? Like, our neighborhood laundromats are going away. I was just speaking to an author in Canada, and they only have 1,200 laundromats in their country. What? How many we have as a reference? Okay. Okay. We are not there yet, but we experienced it, right? So we are very much committed to 
owning and building now as a result of being displaced. And because laundromats are so much more than doing a task, again, it's about that sense of community. And we're very much committed to keeping those in place. Mm -hmm. I do say that oftentimes laundromat owners are male, pale, stale, wealthy individuals who are completely disengaged from their business because they've automated it, which creates a disengaged community and customer base. Really, there's so much inequity in our industry. It's so expensive to enter into the market. And yet we're serving some of the most vulnerable neighbors. And there's got to be a paradigm shift in the laundromat ownership space. And so we're thinking through um, employee-owned co-op models that could work our, and fit within our purpose better. It's fantastic. You gave a shout out to Conscious Capitalism a bit ago, and Scott McIntosh was the one who brought it here to Arizona. Yes. Not too long ago, when we were at GCU, I don't know if you guys got to go watch the film, the documentary around the carpet company who went completely, you know, completely sustainable and of such a wasteful industry. It was fantastic to really see the story. And the leadership that you just described that's kind of typical for some of the, the, the owners or most of the owners anyway, I think we do a disservice when we don't see that people can change, right? We have to be educators. We have to lead and guide and step outside of our comfort zones, which you both have done clearly over and over and over again, to take a stand and say, this is not okay. This mm-hmm. is not right. And I just think of that documentary that we saw, and I apologize for not think, remembering the name of it. But this gentleman, this wealthy, long-term business owner was able to say, based on, I think he had heard a speaker talk about how important it is for us to save our earth. He went, oh my goodness, we are, I own, you know, a massive company that is doing our our earth a disservice. And he shifted, I think it was over, gosh, 20 something years, maybe longer, long after he was here on earth. So let's talk about the importance of education. And in addition to the organizations that you guys are responsible for, how can you encourage leaders to to educate themselves around community concerns that, that are important to you two specifically? Yeah, I think going to, you know, talking about changing people's perspectives and minds, it's amazing how some customers will come up to us and be like, oh, you know what? The only socks I have are like white, black, navy blue, maybe brown. And then I was like, you know what, just take one. Shout out Adam Goodman. You're the person who I'm talking about. You put them on and you're like, hey, you know what? This isn't so bad. Actually, this is kind of fun. <laughs> I'm surprised Adam wasn't rocking mixed mess socks before. He just didn't know it was inside of him. That's all. He didn't know it was in there. But now he has literally every pair. Every pair. I love that. Every single one. But yeah, people can change their minds and it's all about what kind of interactions do we have with them? Are they positive ones? Are they educational ones? And for us, it's about how do we create these touch points along the way where we're teaching them about like, because of course, on the back label of all of our socks, there's information about that nonprofit organization. So that when someone sees them wearing the socks and someone's like, oh, cool, what's that about? They can tell them about that nonprofit organization. So that's connection one. If someone sees us on social media, we're always talking about like, hey, these socks are socially conscious, they're sustainable, they use this kind of yarn, our shirts are made out of recycled plastic bottles in an ethical factory in Haiti. So those kinds of things help people. And that's where the world is moving anyway. Um, mm-hmm. So to be to be doing it without having to be made to do it is one thing as well. Um, but to also allow people to 
go on a journey with you. And we have to create those those moments, um, whether it's like through other people telling someone about social spin or about voice threads or us meeting someone out in public or even in our own circles, educate. I'm, people uh, at my church, they always talk about me. We always talk about clothes at, at church and what we're going to wear. And people will talk about where they're getting their clothes from. And I was like, well, you know, guys, if your wasted uh, yarn and fabric is the second leader contributor to landfill waste in the, yeah. in the world, they're like, what? I didn't know that. I was like, yeah. And it's like, and actually when you buy things from Sheen and other kinds of companies like that, you're actually contributing to like, poor working conditions and slavery and all this. They're like, what? Really? I didn't know that. So so oftentimes it starts closest to us, mm-hmm. not these like ancillary, far-reaching like connections that are far from us. They start in the home. They start in our churches. They start in our schools. They start yeah. in our businesses. Um, so just being willing enough to have those kinds of conversations when they, when they come or, or when they're made accessible to us as business owners, being knowledgeable about our own industry and what, challenges we're, mm-hmm. we're facing and what issues we're trying to solve and having people be become at least educated and somewhat passionate about it too. Um, so yeah, that's what I would say in terms of uh, educating and how do you educate. Um, just create these opportunities and be willing to be as open as you can about them. Beautiful. Christy, thoughts around that and, and what else would you say? What would you add? So yes, I Love that. And we do a lot of our education on these same forums. So when that incident that I spoke of earlier occurred, I did exactly what you had said. I went on there and said, well, first of all, unsheltered people respect our space and don't stay late because we treat them with dignity. And and we haven't been in this situation, Mm -hmm. but if it were me, this is what we would do, right? And so there's opportunities in this forum to share moments like that. For example, here in our community, there's a laundromat that sells toilet paper. So there's a sign on the bathroom that shames customers for misuse and abuse of toilet paper and tells them to go buy it for 50 cents from the vending machine. Wait, to use it at the facility? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's become an, a passion of mine to make sure that our customers have access to the bathroom. Okay. So on these forums, laundromat owners are locking the bathrooms because they don't like it when people take the toilet paper or they leave it a mess. And I chime in and say, hey, we brokered a partnership with a company that actually sponsors our toilet paper. And if they need a role, they need a role. Take the role. Mm-hmm. And why don't you broker this partnership, that way you're reducing your expenses and also making a necessity available to your customers. So it's chiming in with these moments of, oh, this is what we've done. And also it's going to improve your bottom line Mm -hmm. um, and bring you so much community trust and love. The way in which you both educate and lead, it's not in your face. I'm sure there's moments where we kind of have to get in each other's faces, but it's this beautiful nudging and encouragement, just like the examples that you just gave on this forum in your community at church and that sort of thing. It's those gentle nudges over and over again, repetitive, that um, will p- have people listening. And and there are not, uh, we're not without times that we have to do more than a nudge. Right. Yes. And, and take a really tall stand. How... How do you handle yourself when uh, what you have to share falls on deaf ears? So I know some of the things that I'm passionate about, and I feel like, oh, my gosh, I keep saying the same thing over and over again, and, and people are not listening, or they're upset and frustrated <laughs> that I am am really adamant about something. I have to do, as you pointed out earlier, Drew, I have to have some self-talk and remind myself that I know that I'm in the right direction, 
when I have some haters sometimes or when I have people who are disagreeing with me. So that helps me remember that. Are there little uh, things that you remind yourself, sayings of or sayings uh, or even you two mentioned about how important it is for the two of you to connect with not only each other, but also the people that you're surrounding yourself with. What do you do when you feel like what you're saying either isn't enough or it's, you know, someone's pushing back? Yeah, so I oftentimes think of conversations and interactions like an invitation, right? Mm -hmm. Like an invitation can be accepted or declined. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm giving you something that I think is valuable. You can choose to accept it and come along on the journey, or you can be like, you know what? No, that's not for me. The level of politeness on saying, no, that's not for me (laughs) can vary. But regardless, it keeps me from getting too frustrated about people not being as passionate or agreeing with me. The mantra I live by is don't expect people to do what you would do. It saves me. Oh, you just release all of that. Be like, you know what? They're not me. They have a completely different set of expectations, perspectives, background, lifestyle. How could we ever expect? Uh, and that's why I think agreement is such a special thing. When people can agree on anything, it's amazing. It's a miracle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, so yeah, that's why I told myself, it's like, it's an invitation. They didn't accept the invitation. I know I'm dope. I know that what I'm believing in is worthwhile, purposeful, impactful, and great for for the world. If they're not there yet, maybe they just need another invitation somewhere down the road. It's it's not a no, but yeah, everything is an invitation. And for me, everything's trauma based. Oh, there you go. Okay, (laughs) tell us about that. Like, as a social worker, we practice a person in the environment, so it's this clear recognition that people are showing up in ways because their environment is impacting them, right? Mm -hmm. And so we think through how can we help eliminate those barriers to their environment to accessing care, which is our whole model. Uh, But also when we have a wonky reaction, it's likely based and rooted in trauma. And so we're right now embarking on um, learning more about trauma-informed care and how we as a leadership team work together, but also we intentionally employ Everyone has trauma. We all have trauma. And we intentionally employ people who have had traumatic past and might be currently experiencing trauma. And so we want to make sure that they are not only healing their own trauma, but also able to recognize when a customer's response or a community member's response is more aggressive or different than they had anticipated. It's likely because they're experiencing some trauma themselves. So just like we just recognize life is really hard. Yeah. Life is hard and we're here for you. Oh, yeah, that's great. The other thing I'm hearing and thinking about for myself is to continue to stay curious. You both mm-hmm. have really helped enhance that for me today. Mm-hmm. Stay curious and and listening to not only what other people are experiencing and, and not taking it personally, <laughs> also curious about how else I can better serve. I, I do serve a lot already, and sometimes I do the life is hard, and I don't have any more capacity. I don't have any more room. Well, that's just a story I've been telling myself because I think there's always more room. Mm-hmm. So thank you both for that. This has been a fantastic conversation today, and I'm so uh, honored and excited that you would, one, accept our invitation to be here to share your stories and also um, your willingness to say how can the community rally around what you're doing 
and and support. Hopefully you've sparked an idea or some sort of support today. If we could end up the segment today by having each of you share uh, what's the best way to stay in touch with you, uh, social media, email address, uh, website, whatever it is. I, you don't have to have all those things, but just what is, you know, what is the best way? You guys know what that is. And then um, and then we'll close out for today. I've got one more question for you afterwards. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for me, I'm on all the social, well, not on Twitter slash X. I'm not, I'm never on there. Don't, I could don't, never do it. Don't, I, I, I wasn't, a, I feel like you, you had to be like an early adopter or you had to like <laughs> have it be a part of like your initial set of social media. And I just wasn't one of them. And it's hard. For me. Anyway, so don't hit me up also on Twitter. I won't be there. Um, but any of the other platforms, just look up either uh, voice threads, V O Y C E threads um, on any of those, or you can go to our website, voicethreads.com. Look me up on uh, LinkedIn, Drew Shaw. You'll see my face. Yeah, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, same. Uh, Social Spin Laundromat or Social Spin AZ. Our tag is Wash With Care, um, and our website is socialspinlaundromat.com. Fantastic. Given that we are Phoenix Business Radio X and pretty well dialed into a lot of leaders here in the community, not everybody, I keep learning and meeting new people. If we could close with what introductions do you need? You know, when you're when you're thinking about what you're doing, who is your, who is that one person or that one industry leader or that particular company or I don't know what it is, but do you have somebody that you is not yet in your sphere that our listeners and viewers and perhaps even me can help get you in front of the right people? I don't think that it. I don't think there's one particular person or business, but like I was mentioning before with the model of a business funding the production of apparel, I think that if you're a business and you're wanting to figure out how can we support the community in a new, fun, novel way, like I think that I think we're a great idea on how you can do that. So we love whether you, you know, refer someone or you directly as a business want to do something like that, we would love to have those conversations because it allows us to move faster as a company to produce products for the service or or a charitable organization or nonprofit that you love. So that's what I would say. I don't think there's one. It's all. <laughs> and it just starts with a conversation, doesn't yeah, it? There's no it. harm in being curious Mm-mm. and just having a conversation Absolutely. to see where, where it might take us. Exactly. Um, Christy, how about you? Is there a particular industry person mm-hmm. need? I think that's what's beautiful about the Phoenix area, Arizona in general, is we are able to so easily connect with those conversations. Mm-hmm. Leaders are so willing to share. For us, I shared earlier that uh, lack of abundance or abundance thinking and growth and replicating and how do we do that across the nation is super scary for me. So anyone who has experience on how you take a startup business like ours and replicate it through national partners, we've been very fortunate to have a few national partners like Molina Healthcare who want to help with the expansion. I just don't know how. So good. All right. Shout out and a challenge to our viewers and listeners. Again, thank you both for being here. It's been just a rich experience to get to know you. I look forward to staying along the journey with you and seeing how I can help. You've been listening to Phoenix Business Radio, broadcasting live from the Max 6 Entrepreneur Center. Some media leans left, some lean right, and apparently we lean socks and, uh, I was going to say sustainable (laughs) laundromats, but a better word is a social laundromat. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.